Amen. So let's pray and we'll get right into the Word. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for, for allowing Him to be beaten, allowing Him to be killed. Jesus, we are amazed that you let yourself be beaten like that. Uh, we'll forever be thanking you for giving your life. So tonight, we've gathered together to honor you, to magnify you, to glorify you. Jesus, Jesus, be lifted up in this room. Thank you for redeeming us from the curse of the law. Thank you for dying for us. We, we take the dominion and the authority that we have that you left us, and, and we walk in the full measure of that, every person in this room. I thank you, Father, that every person in this room will finish their course with joy, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So, Jesus, Jesus, help us in this hour. Cooperate with you even more, that souls would be swept into the kingdom. That, Father, your bidding would be wrought and done by every person in this room. Make them all mouthpieces for God. Speak through them. Minister through them. We thank you for it. In Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody said amen. amen. I mean, if we hadn't figured it out, this whole season is about how to get the power through you, not just to you. We've had 50 some odd years of how to get it to us, and we know how to do that by our faith. This whole season is about being a vessel. So everywhere you go, God wants to use you. Amen? It's really, the word for the last days is called thoughtfulness. Notice I didn't hear one person shout, Woo, preacher, Brother Joe, it's all over you. Hey, I think I'll do Elvis on that one. No, it's thoughtful, being thoughtful for others. So let's go to Luke and let's do some review. Luke chapter 21, verse 24. Luke 21, verse 24. They'll fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down or overthrown of the Gentiles or nations until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Just a little side note, uh, Jerusalem was overthrown in 70 A.D., Jesus was born in about 2 B.C., went to the cross in 30 A.D., so exactly one generation, 40 years, Jerusalem was overthrown. Jesus cursed the fig tree. Israel rejected Him. He cursed the fig tree because it, it was supposed to have fruit on it. That's a mistranslation. It was supposed to be producing fruit at that time, and it didn't, so it, it basically lied to Him. But really the Lord was fulfilling prophecy. So anyway, so Jerusalem's won back in that six-day war. We talked about it this morning, the Egyptian army coming down against Israel. There are many other miracles. There was one where the Syrian army was coming down to some of the Israeli soldiers, and they looked at each other. They were so outnumbered. They said, well, how many bullets do you have? He said, well, i got four. He goes, how many bullets you got? He goes, i got three. It's been great serving with you, but we're about to go home. Next thing you know, uh, the, the Syrian army screamed, Father Abraham. And they turned around and took off running. They interviewed the Syrian guy. You can, you can YouTube and, and this and see it. They interviewed the Syrian guy and said, it wasn't Father Abraham that scared us so bad. It was those huge angels with flaming swords. We knew there was nothing that we have that can compete with that. And they got out of there, and the Israeli soldiers were fine. So it was miracle after miracle after miracle. One of them, they were backed up to a, a minefield. Syrian army was coming down against them. Huge minefield. The Israeli soldiers had nowhere to go. Next thing you know, this huge wind blows through and exposes every single one of the mines. Wow. They walked right through the minefield to safety. So, I mean, it's just Old Testament type divine intervention yeah. over and over and over again. Why? It was time for Jerusalem to be won back. So that happened in our lifetime. Every sign we talked about this morning, people go, well, oh, those have all happened before. No, they've never happened before. You're the only generation that has seen these signs. So we're very specialized very unusual, just like in a race. If you've got the three uh, relays and you're the last runner in the relay race, could you imagine running up to catch the baton and all of a sudden just as they're about to hand the, the baton to you, kind of stop and going, you know, I don't know if I really should give it my all or uh, I think I'll chill for a little bit. The other runners would be screaming at you like, come on, grab the baton and run. Right. So we've all come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Come on. Amen. We have. We, we've, we've come to the kingdom for such a time as this, man. God set your life up. If you're wondering, why in the world am I in this wild church? There's a reason why you're in this wild church. He wants to do wild things. There's not one thing average the Lord wants to do. 
The Lord never does anything average. And we were talking about it the other night. He had, there's a hundred billion stars with a, with a hundred billion galaxies that He calls by name just so we'll have twinkle lights at night. <laughs> so that's the way He has twinkle lights for us is galaxies. So He just doesn't think like we think. You know what I'm saying? We're talking about birds. There's so many birds, you've got to go to college for years to study birds. I mean, if we were going to make birds, there's a blue one, a yellow one, a red one. That's it. We're done. The Lord makes so many birds that you, just, He just thinks different than we do. So, so He wants to do some radical things. We've got to really stretch and expand our thinking and, and, and harvest bigger. I, it wouldn't surprise me that, that uh, Pastor John has a bat pole one day, comes flying down the bat pole, has a helicopter pad, swings in around the bat pole, has a, a, a speaker and starts <laughs> preaching while he's swinging down the bat pole. Nothing would surprise me, amen? <laughs> amen. It's time we do some wild stuff. So, so we see in our lifetime Jerusalem's one back. Yeah. So then you go a little further, he gets even more detailed. We talked about this is a review. We'll keep moving. But look what he says in verse 29. He spake to them a parable. And you know it's so clear he said, look at the fig tree. Now that's wild. I'm a Holy Ghost Word of Faith type teacher. I would say, look at the last day church. But see, God's so cool. He said, look at the fig tree, because what happened with the fig tree? The fig tree was regathered. Right before Hitler killed six million Jews, God regathered them. So Lucifer thought, I can keep the Word of God from coming to pass. He couldn't keep the Word of God from coming to pass. Come on. So six million Jews are killed. All of a sudden Israel's regathered. That's a miracle. You can have a miracle happen. I had a lady in Concord, New Hampshire. I was in Boston last year. She said, do you remember calling out fingernails in Concord 25 years ago? I said, no. She said, I didn't have a fingernail on my ring finger. You called that out. I said, don't remember. She said, about 15 people came down. And I said, I went to pray for them. I said, none of you are the person I'm looking for. And this lady, she's a pastor now. I preached in her church in Lyconia. She said, I was too afraid to come down. I'd never been in a service like that. And she said, two days later, after I'd prayed for everybody, I said, still the person I'm looking for is not here, but I'll pray for you guys all in faith. She came up to me in Boston. She said, you know what? Two days later I went home. said, Lord, I'm sorry I didn't receive that miracle. Right then her nail grew in. Her boyfriend asked her to marry her that night and slipped a ring on her finger. <laughs> the Lord loves you so much He wants you to have a nail on your ring finger when you get engaged. Amen. Now that was cool for Laconia. And she, I preached in her church. She's a pastor now. That's cool for that. But we don't know about it in Grand Junction. God's so cool. He had a nation come back. Yeah. That's right. So you can't miss it. Right. So nobody go, well, nobody ever told me this was a big deal. A nation that was scattered in Acts chapter 8, when was it regathered? Your lifetime. So that's why Jesus said, look at the fig tree. It's a huge miracle. The one thing God said we, that he, we would say He couldn't do, He's already done it. He's regathered them. Wow, hallelujah. So He said, look at Israel. That's your timepiece. Why do you wear a watch? So you'll be where you're supposed to be on time. So Israel is our timepiece. So he goes a little further. He says, When they now shoot forth their bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is nigh at hand. Likewise, when you see these things come to pass, freak out. No. <laughs> no, he said, When you see these things come to pass, no. So what does knowing bring? Boldness. He said, Know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, This generation will not pass away to all is fulfilled. Wow. The what generation? The one that sees those two events. Israel made a nation in Jerusalem one and he gets even more detailed here. He said, Heaven and earth will be altered, but my words will not be altered. In other words, you can't change this. And then in verse 34, he said, Take heed to yourselves. I'll give you the message Bible. He said, Don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by shopping. You can get so busy with life that your expectation gets dulled. That's most of the church world right now. You say, Jesus is coming, and they yawn. 
man, this should be the response. Jesus is coming. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm ready to see the king. Amen. Once we get into this, the whole purpose of teaching on it is because he loves us so much, but he wants us so expectant that we're just wildly on fire for God, yeah. that our zeal preaches for us. John Wesley said, let God set you on fire. People will come watch you burn. You don't have to advertise a fire. My fire pack out there, wherever, I don't know where I am. <laughs> the fire pack somewhere here. It has a guarantee to set you on fire. So if the messages don't get you, you can set yourself on fire. That's right. <laughs> well, that went over real good. Wow. <laughs> so, okay, I guess I'll go over here and preach. So what happens is the matches are there so you can set yourself on fire because you don't have to advertise the fire. John the Baptist woke up a dead nation, yet he did no miracle. He was a burning and a shining light that yeah. Jesus said there hadn't been a greater prophet since him or ever was or ever will be. Come on. They said, are you a prophet? He said, no, I'm a voice. Are you the prophet? No, I'm a voice. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Jesus said there hadn't been a greater prophet since him or ever was or ever will be. But the least in the kingdom of God's got more grace on him than John had. Yeah. Wow. He woke up a dead nation, yet he did no miracle because he was a voice. So when we talk about the coming of the Lord, it's to all, make us all a voice. Not weird, not strange, but the Lord's coming back. Yeah. You're probably the only Jesus most people will ever see. Wow, that went over good. Good night, everybody. Once again, start the car. I'll be right there. <laughs> Come on, let's keep going. So here, the two main events, and then we'll keep moving. They're so, 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 so amazing to have those two events happen in our lifetime. Think of the different people that saw those things coming to pass and weren't in their lifetime, prophesied about it. Wigglesworth prophesied about things like that. Just different ones prophesied about the season that we're in right now. We're so blessed. So then you have the other signs, and we'll run through them. You got the Hebrew language restored. You got the Ethiopian Jews brought back. You got the fertility of the land of Israel. I didn't even talk about that this morning. Israel is so fertile it produces 90% of the fruit for all of Europe. Wow. What if you ate an apple this morning that's made in New Jersey? Ate a pear made in New Jersey? Ate a banana made in New Jersey? You go, man, what's up with New Jersey? Israel's the size of New Jersey and produces 90% of the fruit for all of Europe. Israel is so, uh, the dirt is so blessed. I've been up on the Golan Heights and you, no one has to tell you where Syria is. It, there's the lush green grass, dirt, and that, that's the border. <laughs> Nothing grows in Syria. And I, uh, my, the grass is so beautiful. I told my buddy, I said, what do you guys do? Do you use Scott Super Turf Builder? Do you fertilize it? He goes, we don't do anything to it. To get my grass to look like their grass, i got to fertilize it four times a year, and i got to water it like crazy. I even called Scott Super Turf Builder and said, what did you do to your fertilizer? Because it's not as strong anymore. And the lady on the phone said, you're right. We have detuned it because it's too toxic because it made the grass too dark. I said, that's what I want. <laughs> Israel's grass is like that anyway because God said yeah. God said I'll make the dirt preach for me that you can see they have a covenant yeah. wow. that's why God, God said I'm giving you all the land so the devil changed the name of the land to Palestine you know where that's, you know where that's from <laughs> Philistine Remember David talking about Goliath? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? So Lucifer tried to change the name of the land because God said, I'm swearing by no greater oath than my own word, saying it's all yours. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. So you see the fertility of the land of Israel. Israel has more trees now than any nation on the earth. They learned how to put this, this thing underneath the trees, and the dew is collected there. So that's the fertility of the land of Israel. Man, we've got we to keep moving. Help me, Jesus. All right, you got the revival of the Roman Empire, which is amazing. You should, you should even Google CERN, C-E-R-N. It's a particle collider in Switzerland where they, uh, you know, atoms are shot in the steel and they, they split them. They're looking for the God particle. Look at their logo. Their logo is 666. 
uh, uh, and that's like, hello, that's a, not, not very good. <laughs> but see, so you have all these tangible physical signs. You also had like a, 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 the Catholic Church had Bishop Malachi, but they called him Malachi from the year 1129 A.D. He had a vision of every pope of what their coat of arms were. He saw 112. Now listen, the coat of arms is very detailed. Usually popes were a marine pope or they were a worshiping pope or they were a, a teacher pope. So their, their coat of arms was not just one word. It was a, like a paragraph. This bishop had a vision and saw every pope that was going to be on the earth all the way up to the second coming, 112. He got them right, 112 out of 112. Guess what the pope is that we have right now? The 112th pope. Got each one of their coat of arms. Wow. Why? Because see, God's trying to get the message out. Jesus is about to come back. So you got, you got it in the Catholic Church, you got it in the Methodist Church, you got it all over. Jesus is coming back. Yep. So you have all these tangible physical signs. Well, there's so many more. You got men be lovers themselves. We have selfie sticks. Talked about that. We talk about uh, uh, the, the fish start showing up in the Dead Sea. That's pretty amazing. That, that Ezekiel prophesied that, and it showed up this year. And then you had foxes on the Temple Mount two weeks ago. I saw the picture in the Jerusalem Post, the, uh, the Lamentation. 5 verse 18 talks about when the Temple Mount is so desolate that foxes will show up. The rabbi said we have to rebuild the temple right now. So you've got all these different groups in position. 172 different species of predatory birds. So you've got birds in place, Russia in place, Iranian troops in place, 7 kilometers from the border of Israel. Wow. Wow. <laughs> all these players. I mean they used to, you, the, the pieces of the puzzle were there but now they turned over. Now the pieces of the puzzle didn't just turn over. They're all moved right into place. You've got Russia trying to do everything it can to start a world war. They turn their transponders off on their planes. They're buzzing our ships. All these just bizarre things that you didn't see 20 years ago, you're seeing all of it right now because the Lord's about to come back. So that means to you and I, it's time for harvest. It's time to rock. It's time to do whatever we need to do to get the message out. So we're, we're privileged to watch verses come to pass. Our response is, I'm in. I'm all in. I don't fit church into my life. It is my life. So I'm preaching to the choir tonight. I know because you're here on Sunday night. But He just loves you. He, just, he, he, he's, he wants you blessed to know how close it is to see Him face to face. Amen. You know, I, I, talk about, I talk about the wedding deal, but it, it's a, a great analogy. You don't want your bride walking toward you, oh my God, I'm about to get married. No, you'd kind of want her to go, man, this is the greatest day of our lives. So there's something wonderful getting ready to happen to us, and that's the rapture of the church. So you have all the tangible physical signs, and then you go to signals. You had the blood red moons on Passover and Tabernacles. That's just radical. You had, you had Mercury do a flyby of the sun. Uh, the planets formed a sickle. The moon formed a sickle. Orion changed his instrument to hammer. You had hammer and sickle on the same day. That's Russia's symbol. See, God's trying to show them you're getting ready to go through the threshing floor. That's what that seven-year period is called, a time of Jacob's trouble, not the church's trouble. So all the verses we're talking about, they're great for us in the church, but really they're to get Israel ready for that seven-year period that God's going to deal with them to accept Jesus as their Messiah. There'll be pressure put on them just like Moses and Pharaoh. Why would God do that? People sometimes won't make a decision until they have to. I was preaching in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Uh, Keith Johnson is a pastor. He raised Willie George. Willie George his uncle. And I was preaching there one night, and a 96 year old man raised his hand to get saved. And I'm like, wow, he'd never been to church ever. His wife had been praying for him. She was, her, her, his son was like 76 years old, sitting right there. Led him to the Lord. Next day I went to the airport. Pastor Keith called me and said, You know that 96 year old man? Last night he went home to be with the Lord. Wow. <laughs> 
So you talk about cutting it close, okay? <laughs> so, so, so the tribulation period is to push people so they don't wait till the last day of their life to give their heart to the Lord. Some people have to wait for tomahawk missiles to fly at them, just like World War II. They said there were no atheists in foxholes. Because, man, when push comes to shove, people want to turn to the Lord. So you're, all these signs are good, but they're all about this is a setup for the earth for that seven-year period where there's so much pressure on the earth that people will go ahead and make a decision. And thank God we've already made the decision that we don't have to be here. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, so there's many more signs, many, many, many more signs. And, and so once we get into all of them, that just preaches to us. Let the signs preach to you, I'm about to see Jesus. Now, I don't, I don't know how to get us ready for that, but the, the first thing you're going to see when you stand before the throne, you'll see that rainbow, and you'll see a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. When sinners dip deep beneath, dip beneath that flood, lose all their guilty saying. So all of a sudden, we're going to see all this stuff that we've heard about, but we're going to go from faith to sight. So what an, a great adventure for us. Now, the rapture of the church is not an ending. It's a beginning. I hear people go, well, I don't want the Lord to come back because i got so much in my heart. It's because you're going to live forever. Yeah. Right. So as, you, as we go into that, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 or chapter 3. You pick out a chapter. We'll see if you're flowing once again. But I was preaching. Here's the Newtown, Connecticut. I knew there was some reason I had that in my brain. I was preaching in Newtown, Connecticut. And uh, I was going Sunday through Wednesday back then. This was about 25 years ago. And... Um, I knew what to do Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, came to Wednesday, I didn't know what to do. So I had the sensation, just an unction to play, pin the suit on the pastor. So we pinned the suit on the pastor. He came down, we put $50 bills, $20 bills, $100 bills, bought him a suit. It was so cool. And then the youth pastor walked down and said, Joe, I have a check for your daughter. My daughter was doing mission stuff at the time. So my daughter wasn't even there and got a check for, you know, for some money there. Next thing you know, someone stood up and said, hey, I got a brand new uh, Toyota Camry for the youth pastor. All of a sudden people started giving in that service. I mean, it's the coolest service I've ever been in. People started giving stuff away, cars, uh, refrigerators. So I thought, I want to get involved. So I, have, I had a Fender Stratocaster at the time. And I saw this young man way in the back. I said, hey, young man back there. I said, uh, I have a Fender Strat. I'm supposed to give it to you. He started screaming. <laughs> he told his mother, I want a Fender Strat. She said, he better believe God for it. Amen. Well, the reaper overtook the sower in that meeting. That's good. Because he, did, he didn't sell anything. He got him a Fender Stratocaster. So I went to a cheaper store. I went to the guitar store, uh, the guitar center, to buy me a cheaper guitar since I've given my Strat away. As I'm walking in, the Lord said, why don't you learn how to play every instrument? You're going to live forever. So see, we, we just think right now. But you're, you're, you're writing your resume for what you'll be doing during the millennium. So let's, let's go on further past the signs because we're so close to the, His return. You have all the signals. You have all the stuff happening that Jesus is about to come. The blood red moons. All that stuff. The Bethlehem star. Did anybody Google the two minute uh, uh, bonus feature on the Bethlehem star? And see the, the ram have a heart go black? Man, it's just absolutely amazing. So we're privileged. Very privileged. So let's pick up with the next event. We've got some events that are going to happen, and we're going to get into a lot of them really quick. So everybody say caffeine. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right, go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And these are verses I know that you know, but we're going to get somewhere. We're going to rehearse them a little bit. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. So he's writing this to them. You've got to remember Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica. He was with them for two weeks. What did he preach about? Rapture, second coming, and antichrist. Why do you know that? In 2 Thessalonians, he said, Don't you remember I told you these things while I was with you? <laughs> so you think he would have talked about who you are in Christ? You think he talked about, you know, what happened from the cross to the throne? What did he teach about? Rapture, second coming, 
and Antichrist. Why? They thought they were in the tribulation because Nero had killed so many Christians. So they said, we have to be in the tribulation. And Paul said, don't worry. You can't be in the tribulation because you're still here. You have to be taken off the earth. You have to depart so that the Antichrist can even be revealed. That's all in 2 Thessalonians. But let's keep going here in 1 Thessalonians, verse 14. That we believe, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, scare one another with these words. No, no, you, you, you've heard in times so much. It's, it's to comfort us. The word comfort there is the word exhort. It means to call nearer to God. So uh, I, I love that Pastor John and Pastor Carl love to preach on the coming of the Lord because this is healthy for us. It's healthy to hear about there's a time coming when all of a sudden He's able to subdue even all things unto Himself. And there's going to be a shout with the voice of the archangel. And you, you, the stain of Adam is going to be taken off of us. Oh, come on. come on. My weight is perfect. I'm just not the right height. Come on. If I, if I was 6'4", everything would be great. But all of a sudden we're going to get a brand new body. And, and, and it's a brand new body that we'll talk about here in a minute. But you talk about awesome. Never get tired again. Never gain weight again. Come on. And it's going to be a very wonderful body. People think they're going to miss out on something. Things are enhanced, not diminished. Right. That's right. Things are better, not worse. Yes. So this is the event. You've heard a lot about it, the rapture of the church. I hear so many people teaching these days that all the weird stuff about the rapture. Let's go through some of those sacred cows and get into it. But the wonderful thing is, is Enoch was raptured. Enoch handed off to Noah. Elijah handed off to Elisha. Jesus handed off to the church. The church is going to hand off to 144,000 Jewish evangelists. So we're going to get caught up. We're going to be raptured. Jesus was raptured. Now the two witnesses will be raptured. There's raptures in the tribulation. So it's a, it's a doctrine where God takes people from here and takes them up there. That's right. And the greatest way to look at it is like Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember when the angel came down to Lot? He said, I can't do anything here until I get you out. God doesn't judge the righteous with the wicked. So the whole tribulation period, he said, if you keep reading in Thessalonians, he's not appointed unto us for wrath, but to attain salvation. So as we get into this, I'm going to show you some things when we're done that you can't be here. But what a bizarre event that we're going to leave and go up to meet Jesus in the air. Now it's different than the second coming. The second coming, we come back with Jesus and he, he physically comes down and puts his foot on the Mount of Olives and we ride with him on white horses. I mean, how cool is that? To, I've flown, you know, on, on airplanes, used to race motocross. I've flown on a motocross bike, but I ain't never flown on a horse. I've ridden horses. I've gotten bucked off some horses. We had this one horse that was an Appaloosa that I think was demon possessed. <laughs> you had to climb up a tree and get on the tree to get on that horse and then you were immediately off the horse. <laughs> so, but it will be cool to fly on horse. Lean left trigger. I don't know what kind of class we're going to go to during that seven year period. We'll go to the reward seat of Christ. We'll talk about that maybe here in a minute. We'll go to the judgment. It's called the judgment seat of Christ, but that's a mistranslation. It's the word bema. It means reward seat. We'll go to that and then go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Jesus will be revealed to us as the King. And then man, we're going to get in line and come right back at the second coming. How cool is that going to be? Great thing. Great things ahead. We're living when the most radical stuff's all happening. 
So let's talk about this rapture. What's the purpose? I want to run through all this. So we've got a lot to cover. What's the purpose of the rapture? You getting a brand new body. The stain of Adam taken off of you. Remember in the Old Testament you have cherubim and seraphim mentioned over and over again. Mentioned also in the book of Revelation. But remember the seraphim have two wings that cover their face. Two wings that cover their feet and two wings that they fly with. They're created to be at the throne of God. They go in circles. Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. Which was and is and is to come. The whole earth is full of your glory. Of His glory. That's their job, yet they still have to shield themselves from His glory because of the radiance of God. God's going to get us a brand new body. We can walk in and talk to Dad, and our rods and our cones will be okay. Come on. We can actually see after going and seeing Daddy. So we're going to get this new body that's retrofitted and glorified. How cool is that going to be? Okay, let's talk about it for a minute. How do we know what it's going to be like? You always go to Scripture. So think about when Jesus was raised from the dead. Remember He's on the road to Emmaus? I love how, how cool the Lord is. He, they didn't know who He was. Their eyes were beholden who He was. So He's walking with them. First thing He said to them, how come you guys are so sad? Right. And they said, well, they crucified our Lord if He lived around here. And the Bible says He would have kept right on walking. But they constrained Him to stay for dinner. And as He sat down for dinner, He took them through the Word. Jesus physically in their midst. I would have gone, losers! I told you I was going to be raised from the dead, but that was not, the Lord's, the Lord's a lot sweeter than I am. I would have gone, you bunch of losers. I told you I'd be raised. You should have been out by the coffin. Three, two, one, here he comes. But they weren't. They were in hiding. Okay? So, so he takes them through the Word. He, he shows them the Messiah, shows them Christ in the Old Testament, takes them all through the Word. Isn't that the coolest? Then all of a sudden he broke bread and then disappeared. They said, did not our hearts burn within us the words that he spoke to us? His words are spirit and they are life. Wow. Well, they went back to their buddies. We saw him. He taught us a whole resurrection message. And the, the disciples weren't excited. They said, no, you didn't. And Thomas goes, yeah, I know you didn't. I know you didn't. Unless I see the hole inside, I ain't going to believe. I see, until I see the print in his hand, see the hole inside, I ain't going to believe. Jesus walks right through the wall. <laughs> don't, you, don't you love it? The Lord knows every word you say. He says, Thomas, reach hither your hand, thrust it into my side. Be not faithless, but believing. And they freaked out. He's a spirit. He goes, no, no, spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see I have. So he walks through the wall, can be handled, and the first thing he said is, do you have any meat? He didn't ask for kale, didn't ask for broccoli, didn't ask for a salad. The first thing Jesus asked for, where's the beef? That's what he said. Read it. Just think about that. He could have said, where are your cucumbers? <laughs> no. I love cucumbers, but that's not, not what I want. So, so in his glorified body, he had an appetite, asked for meat. Still could be handled, but still walk through the wall. Yeah. So we got a very, very cool uh, body coming. So that's, that's why we need a new body, is we're going to be functioning at such a different level. So that's what our new body will be like, glorified. Not flesh and blood, but flesh and bone. And the glory of God is what will keep us alive. Wow. Amen. So all right, let's go look at qualifications real quick. Look at verse 14. This is misunderstood, but let's let the Scripture teach us. The Word, truth, sets you free. So look at verse 14. He'll give you the qualifications for the rapture because this is so misunderstood. Verse 14, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. So the requirement to go up in the rapture is not your wonderful works, which you should do wonderful works, but the requirement is His blood. So if you're in Christ, you're going up. I hear people go, well, how's that going to happen? I don't know how it happens. He, he's so amazing, He's going to say the Word and you're going to be translated. Yes, if, if you're of the species of the body of Christ, you're going up. Yes, and it's not about you. We've made it about us. Am I cool? Am I, have I gotten everything just right? It ain't about you. He's coming back for His body. 
It'd be, it'd be like if I was preaching on one leg, I'd be looking forward to having my other leg. The Lord's looking forward to having His body. So we've made the rapture about us. It's not about us. It's about Him coming for His body. Now, the whole thing is just like salvation. You're justified by His blood. Not by your works. If you could do enough cool works, Jesus wouldn't have to come. Right. It took some spotless bud to pay for us. I had a lady in Galveston one time years ago. She said, how dare you say all the Christians are going up, you know? I said, well, I'm just trying to be scriptural, you know? I don't want to be non-scriptural. I want to be Bible. And the Holy Spirit loves to magnify Jesus. The Holy Spirit said, ask her, whose works would she rather trust in? Her works or my works? See, Jesus didn't make any mistakes. By Himself He purged our sins. Sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as He by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Come on, He, he purchased you. Yes, Woo, hallelujah. So, that's why when the rapture happens, you're going to be changed and you're going to go up. This mortal is going to put on immortality. I like how Roy Hicks talked about that. I heard it said, it's the smallest amount of time that cannot be divided. That's what that atomic second is. The smallest amount of time that can't be divided. Look how amazing that is. You've had loved ones that have gone home to be with the Lord, and God's going to remake their bodies, and we're going to a reunion like you've never seen yes, before. Sir. Come on. You talk yes, about a reunion. Sir. Woo, glory to God. Yeah. And He's going to remake their bodies, and they're going to go up, and we're going to meet them in the air, and so shall we ever be with the yes. Lord. Yes. How cool is that? That's, that's the rapture of the church. So there's a couple more things we can get into about it. We can get into the timing of it. But let's talk about this. This is the thing that amazes me. The rapture is a mystery. So just like the church age was a mystery, you can't really find it in the Gospels because he's fulfilling the law. But he gives us one little quiet little sliver about the rapture. So let's run through that for a minute because it really will tell us about knowing how close we are to the coming of the Lord. So cool. We'll get into it for a moment. Remember John 14. Jesus said, My Father's house are many mansions. If it were, were so, I would have told you. If it were not, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you, that where you are, there you, I, you, you may be also. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. All right, that was a Jewish wedding proposal. That was like you and I would say, will you marry me? Could you imagine Jesus sitting his staff down and going just like this, will you marry me? I'm sure they all went, he's lost his mind. Dudes don't ask dudes to get married. He just proposed to us because that's exactly what he did. But in the Jewish culture, a man would propose to a woman and the woman would, would, uh, would remain in a constant state of readiness, but the man would go back to his father's house. The father would oversee the construction of a honeymoon suite. Okay, now watch this. This is so cool. I asked woman after woman after woman in Israel. I said, would you know how close it was for him to come back and get you to go to your honeymoon suite? She goes, well, of course we'd know. I said, well, she said, we almost would know to the day. I go, how would you almost know to the day? She said, word would come to us that the room's almost done. In the tradition, the father would tell the son, your room is ready, go back for your bride. And she kind of knew when that was there because word would come to her that the room's almost finished. She, the, everyone I interviewed she said, we don't want to put on all this perfume and it's six more months. They would almost know to the day. The father would lean over to the son, your room's ready. And he would run back with a shout. And she did that point knowing that the room was almost done, had her spices on, her perfumes on, and she would run out to meet him. That's a picture of the rapture of the church. It didn't catch her by surprise. She knew within a two or three day period when he was going to come. And see, we've never been taught that. But you know what? Words come to us all the time that the, the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. You've got nation after nation hearing the gospel right now. You're at the very end of the church age. Jesus, the room, 
is ready. Jesus is just about to come by. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. We can look at some other things about timing that are really, really amazing that we weren't taught over the years, but let's go through it. It's a lot of info, but hang with me. I want to get to Daniel 9 here in just a second. Let's talk about the timing for a second, okay? We talked about the reason we do it, need a glorified body. Talked about the qualifications. Let's talk about timing. Jesus fulfilled every one of the festivals. Remember this morning we said He went to the cross on Passover? What was the next festival? Unleavened bread. Jesus was buried on the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Why was He buried on Unleavened Bread? They, took, they would take three pieces of bread, the middle piece, they would fold it, they would pierce it, and they would break it. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Born in Bethlehem. You know what Bethlehem means? Home of the bread. So Jesus has a feast to keep, goes to the cross on Passover. Normally you're on the cross a lot longer. But Jesus had a feast to keep, plus uh, He had the weight of the sin and the sickness of the entire universe on Him. So he, he goes to the cross on Passover, buried on unleavened bread. What was the next festival? First fruits. What happened on first fruits? Raised from the dead. Alright, the next one would be fulfilled. Pentecost. What happened? Fifty days later, Penta, 50 means, Penta means 50. Fifty days later, the Holy Spirit was poured out. What's the next feast to be fulfilled? The Feast of Trumpets. Feast of Gatherings. That's in the fall of the year. That's the next festival to be fulfilled. I, I dare say, we talked about it this morning about Trump and, and Pence. Uh, you can pretty much tell the rapture will be on Feast of Trumpets. If it's not, that's okay. But I, I know that the Bible says you are not in darkness so that day would overtake you right. as a thief. We right. were never taught that you could know how close you were to the rapture. Mm. Yet the, the Bible preaches to the church, it's not a surprise. It's a surprise to the world. To the church, you are not in darkness that day would overtake you as a thief. Just like that woman knowing that her, her man's about to come down with a shout, she didn't go, I got six months later. She goes, man, it's the day or tomorrow or the next day. Just like the Feast of Trumpets is the three-day period. Every time it starts in Israel, I know exactly the moment it starts in America and when it stops in America. And I'm walking around doing, doing the, the classic wave. I love you, Lord. Amen. So, so that's the timing of, of the rapture of the church. But let's talk about this for a minute because I want to get to Daniel 9. There's a lot to get to for just a few minutes. Let's talk about the reward seat of Christ for just a second. This is probably the most important thing that we would ever preach on. Because all of a sudden after we're raptured, you're going to go to this Bema, it means reward seat, just like in the Olympics. Have you ever seen a guy in the Olympics afraid to get his medals? I, I've never seen a guy go, I just won the gold. I'm going to go get it though. No, no, he's excited. He, 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 all of a sudden he's going to get a medal and then they're going to play a, an anthem for the nation he represents. And he's going to get honored and he'll wear that medal. That's what the word Bema means, reward seat. So right after the rapture, you're going to go on this little podium and the fire of God's going to hit your life. He's not going to judge your sins. Sin was laid on Jesus. He's going to judge the motives of your heart. Did what you do, did you do it to be seen of men, or did you do it because you love the Lord? That's wood, hay, and stubble. You, all the wood, hay, and stubble is all above the ground. What, you, what people see you do, you probably want to get a reward for. But you don't want to have a lot of wood, hay, and stubble. You don't want a bonfire as a reward. See, you don't want people to go, did you see that? Oh, my God. Did you, who was that? What in the world was that? God, woof. No, you don't want a bonfire at the reward seat of Christ. You want gold, you want silver, and you want precious stones. Those are the hidden things of the heart. Gold is your devotional life. How much you tell the Lord you love Him? What's silver? The Bible says the tongue of the just is choice silver. Your prayer life, the stones, the priest would go into the presence of God with those stones on his chest. He would bear for the nation what was on his heart for them. It's the unselfish things that you do you'll get a reward for. The wonderful thing is if you did something to be seen, it's going to be burned up right there. But everything that you've done for the Lord with the proper motive, all of a sudden He's going to honor you and reward you. He's looking forward to blessing you. He said, I'm coming back and my reward is with me. 
Okay? And the cool thing about this is all the rewards you get, you're going to adorn yourself with those rewards. Your gold and your silver you will wear. Your robe will be indicative of how faithful you were. There will be contrasting stitches in your robe showing that you went to church on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. There will be different parts of your robe. Come on now. There will be different people look at you and go, wow, you went to church on Wednesday nights. Come on. <laughs> Everything about your robe is going to preach to everybody you see. Just like in the military, you see a general get on an airplane. He's got four stars right here. He's got badges right here. They call it fruit. They go, check out my fruit. You can tell if he was shot. You can tell what ship he was on. You can tell how long he served. You're, you're going to wear robes that are indicative to how faithful you were here. And my friend, people are going to look at you and go, wow, you did the will of God. Now, you won't be jealous. You won't go, rats, I wish I had a robe like that. But you'll be so blessed that what you've done for him during this time, there'll be a reminder of it. You'll wear your faithfulness. You want to make sure during the millennium you're not wearing a Speedo bathing suit. <laughs> <laughs> Not good. You look at people, aha, did nothing during the church age. <laughs> now my dad got saved on his deathbed, mocked God his whole life, cursed God his whole life, has a stroke, and gets born again right there on his deathbed. And thank God he got saved. But I'm telling you what, man, I'm gonna be, he's going to be borrowing robes from friends. <laughs> I'm serious, man. He'll have nothing. <laughs> He'll be walking around going, man, let me have something. Come on. So, so I'm saying that is your life is going to preach for you. The day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. The fire will try a man's work of what sort it is or how valuable it is. So thank God your life's going to be analyzed. The things that you did that were bad uh, are going to be burned up. So you don't want a lot of wood, hay, and stubble. <laughs> you want some gold, silver, and precious stones. I'd hate for the angels to go back up. <laughs> That's not what you want to hear. Step back. <laughs> wow, this is not good. <laughs> People are going like this. <laughs> this is not going to be good. No. We want, we want a lot of gold, silver, and precious stones. So that's, that's the most important thing that we can talk about. It's because that's your next event after we're caught up as you go to that reward seat. So with that, let's go a little further. Let's go over to Daniel. Let's look at this for a minute. There's so much you can get into, but Daniel will bless you. And then i, I got to shut up. Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. Daniel chapter 9. This is really amazing here in Daniel. These are some of the most precise, uh, amazing verses in the Bible. So let's kind of breathe a minute for a second because I know there's a lot of info. But this, if you can get this Daniel 9 part, everything, makes, everything starts fitting together and makes sense. Because you'll watch how flawless God has this. So look at Daniel 9 verse 1. And cut me some slack for just a minute because we'll slow down a little bit. Daniel 9 verse 1. In the first year of Darius, which was the son of or whatever that is, which was, <laughs> there's no way you can pronounce that, which was made the seed over the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Wow. I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. So Daniel's uh, smart enough here to go, hey, we got in captivity for how long? 70 years. He's trying to find out why they got put in jail for 70 years. God had told them to let the land rest every seven years. Okay? And they started planning in that seventh year. Guess how long they started doing that? They did it for 490 years. So they owed the land back 70 years. So, so God let them go into captivity for 70 years to pay the land back. Look how, look how flawless He is. With that in mind, they, how long did they miss it? 490 years. Remember Peter asked Jesus, how many times did I forgive somebody? 
70 times 7, 490 times. So that's kind of the length here. So now watch Gabriel tell them some stuff that's absolutely amazing. Gabriel's going to tell Daniel some timing here that are the most precise words in the Bible. Look at Daniel 10 there, Daniel 9, sorry, verse 23. Daniel 9, verse 23. At the beginning of thy supplication, the commandment came forth. I am come to show you, your greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. You guys missed it for 490 years? Here we go. 70 segments of seven or 70 weeks. That's just another way of seven, saying 490 years. You missed it for 490? God's given you guys another 490. What's it for? It's, it's determined upon thy people, the Jews, and upon the holy city, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, bringing everlasting righteousness, seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Here we go. He's going to get some precise stuff right here. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, comes, it's going to be a certain amount of weeks, and I'm going to add them up for you so you don't have to do it. So he says there's going to be a commandment to restore and build Jerusalem. So remember King Artaxerxes saw Nehemiah, and Nehemiah was bummed out and depressed. King Artaxerxes goes, what's the deal? Nehemiah goes, Jerusalem's overthrown. So he goes, no problem. We're going to make a commandment to restore and build Jerusalem. So he goes, doo -doo -doo, doo -doo -doo. Gabriel said when that commandment goes forth until Jesus comes, there's going to be a certain amount of years. God gave them 490. Guess when Jesus came? 483. Okay? Remember the Jesus, they said, are you the Messiah? He said, go tell them what you see and what you hear. John the Baptist had his buddies go ask Jesus. Is he the one? They're about to cut my head off. It doesn't look good. So, you know, they, they, he never really would come out and say it. But there came a time where he rode on that donkey right into Jerusalem. They laid the branches down. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I said, oh man, don't let them say that. You're admitting you're the Messiah. He said, if they didn't do it, the rocks would cry out. Because it was exactly 483 years from when that commandment came forth. Okay, God gave them 490. Jesus came after 483. He owes them seven years of old covenant time. That's the seven year tribulation. Wow. Takes the church off the earth and goes back to old covenant time. So he can do some things like old covenant. Like Russia comes down on Israel and God intervenes. In this dispensation, God didn't intervene. Hitler killed six million Jews and prospered. Germany killed six million Jews and prospered because in this dispensation, God's not judging anybody. <laughs> and people like to say He is, but He's not. <laughs> if He was, man, uh, think about it. Amsterdam would be vaporized. Las Vegas would be vaporized. People said Katrina was judgment. No, it's not. The people still living there. When God goes to judgment, you can't find people. Right. <laughs> so we, we want to make, that's why this dispensation of grace is so amazing that God's looking at you through collect, corrective lenses. Stained in the blood of Jesus. Amen. They're corrective. He sees you complete in Him. Yeah. He's already presented you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in His sight. Yeah. Golly. It couldn't get any cooler. He's already presented you at the throne of God, holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in His sight. That's why when the devil tries to mess with you, you go, no, it is written. And you use your authority and you speak the word. And man, you talk about making the devil get nervous. Wow. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. You remember when Jesus came on the scene? Did you hear the demons when He came on the scene? Instant submission. They didn't go, well, hey, we're going to deal with you. They said, oh my God, have you come to mess with us before the time? Instant submission. That's how Lucifer thinks about you. Because you got somebody's mark on you. you got the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords marked on you. And my friend, he's about to come back for that church. And before he comes back for us, he wants us demonstrating the kindness and the mercy of the Lord. So notice how the, the tribulation period, that seven year period is not for us. 
We try to make it about us. It's about God handing off to the Jews. And if you keep reading, He gives you the exact year when the Antichrist is going to midway through the trib go in and say, I'm God. You talk about an uh-oh moment because the Jews are going to think that the Antichrist is the Messiah. Kind of a bummer that all of a sudden midway through the trib He goes, I'm God. And they're like, that's the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel. Jesus yes. even quotes it. And says, when that happens, it's going to be an uh-oh moment for everybody. And then all hell breaks loose. The Jews go over to Petra for safety. And in our lifetime, two years ago, the Jews got stopped buying so much land in Petra. I said that this morning. So, I mean, you, you just got event after event after event after event after event that points to us about to be raptured. And then you have our president's name, Trump, vice president's name, Pence, trumpets, Trump Pence. Our president and vice president's name mean the rapture of the church. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, that is absolutely bonkers. <laughs> But you had everybody's name that meant things. We talked about Kenneth Hagin's name. We talked about Allenby. Different people that blew a trumpet in the middle of Jerusalem during the Six-Day War. Their names were uh, blowing a trumpet. <laughs> and so it's, it's just crazy. So God has people in position, and He's raised you up for the last day church. So we have some time to do some works. We have some times we can watch what happened. I mean, uh, I'll do my update Tuesday night. I'll talk about today, today in Israel, Israel took out more missiles that Iran has hauled down to annihilate Israel. Five years ago that wasn't happening. And this is another sign that's happened. You had Jordan and Saudi Arabia choose sides with Israel. Yeah. Now that's kind of crazy. Last year, Saudi Arabia let Israel refuel their planes over their land. Saudi Arabia always wanted to annihilate Israel. Mm. See, they're choosing sides with Israel because Iran is so crazy. Right. Loco. Ooh, <laughs> so, so you're seeing, and then why is that a big deal? In the Ezekiel 38 war that's prophesied in Ezekiel, he doesn't mention Saudi Arabia and doesn't mention Jordan going after Israel. Those two are left out because they're not going to attack Israel. So last year that set up. So you have event after event after event setting up things that point to the coming of the Lord. So this is the, 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 the technicality we do as believers. As we see that day approaching, Jesus told us to lift our heads up. So He doesn't want you downtrodden. He wants you happy. He wants you hopeful. He wants you expectant. Five things about the coming of the Lord, and none of them are bad news. He said, I, he said, don't be deceived. Don't be troubled. I want you happy. I want you hopeful. And I want you comforted. That's five things the Bible talks about the coming of the Lord, and they're all good news. Yes, they are. <laughs> so, if you hear people talk about the rapture, people try to use verses out of context to put things that are illegal in the church, and, and Jesus purified you and glorified you. When all of a sudden that voice from heaven comes, we're going to be altered, and we're going to rock it up into the heavens to meet Jesus in the air. And we know what happens after that. We have the millennial reign of Christ. I, I, I love that Pastor John's preached on that, because that's probably a whole other two or three messages. But the millennial reign is such a fun time. It's just going to be a really, really a fulfilling time for you and I as believers. It'll be a thousand years off, but you have great things ahead. You, you know how some people, they, there's a depression in people because they're not hopeful. They don't have anything to look forward to. You've got so many cool things to look forward to. Amen. It's going to be fun, 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 and Daddy won't take the seabird away. <laughs> Amen. All right, let me give you one more thing here, then we'll, then we'll, we'll dismiss, because I've, I've preached a long time, dear Lord. I was preaching this meeting years ago, not too far from here. I was, actually, it was 1992. I was with Mark Brzee. I was doing the morning meetings. He was doing the night meetings. And uh, 
it was a minister's meeting. The ministers were coming for a luncheon. And uh, uh, I was walking into the luncheon. I smelled the barbecue. I said, man, that barbecue smells good. And I had a vision as I walked in. I saw a pastor, a friend of mine, he was skiing, in a water skiing in a boat. Remember how the, Elisha talked about, went not my heart with you? It's like I'm in the back of the boat watching this guy ski. And God wants you to ski. He wants you to have a great time skiing. He wants you to be the best skier on the planet. So I'm watching him ski. And then all of a sudden I heard Mark Rosie teach on Hebrews laying aside weights and sins that would so easily beset us. So no big deal. I thought, man, that's wild. God's just probably trying to talk to us and you know, get us ready. No big deal. Came into the meeting and Mark taught on that. Hebrews 13 or 12, laying aside weight. I'm like, oh my God, I heard him preach on this before he preached on it. That was a word of wisdom. And, and, and so then I had this word of knowledge about this pastor water skiing. I grew up on the lake, so I knew you know, he, was, he was cutting real good going around a slalom course. So I thought, I'm not going to say anything unless the Lord makes me. Then the pastor said, hey, Joe, you got to say something. I was like, okay. <laughs> And I, I just got up and said, we've all got things in our lives we need to get out of our, you know, not put ahead of our call or whatever. And I looked over at that guy to see if he was going along with it. And he was, no big deal. We all got real reverent. I said, let's wait on God for a minute and let the Lord talk to us. He'll remind you of the last things he's told you to do. I know exactly what the Lord said to me when I bowed my head. He said, don't apologize for your message. Be bold. Well, after that was done, we all kind of hung out for a minute like that to recoup group and all that. I walked right over to him and said, hey, man, have you been water skiing lately? He goes, no, no, I've been too busy. I thought, well, you know, I could miss it. I could miss it by a mile. Next thing you know, we finish up talking, you know, and then we get out in the van. I said, hey, Mark, I heard what you preached before you preached. Nah, 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 because he's a buddy of mine, you know. So I said, I heard you preach what you preached before you preached. And I had a vision of this pastor in the skiing, and I'm sitting in the boat. And Mark grabbed his mustache. Oh, God, oh, God. He said, I went up to that pastor and asked him to come tonight. And he said, I'm going into Denver, actually, to buy a new water ski. And a guy on his staff said, didn't you hear what the Lord was trying to say to us? Maybe you should lay aside some of that. He goes, oh, man, Jesus would have to appear to me before I do that. So see, he just missed it. God wants him to ski better than everybody. He want, if you play golf, he wants you to play the golf better than everybody. If you like to ski, be the best. But don't put it ahead of your call. Fifty years ago, I don't think the Lord would have bothered him. But notice the Lord verse, tried with gifts of the Spirit. Tried with the Word. With the Word taught right out of Hebrews. Then gifts of the Spirit. Then with someone on the guy's staff trying to alert him. Th things are crucial now. I'm saying that so before we go, <laughs> this is the most exciting thing in the world is, let's just bow our hearts for a minute and let's find out what the Lord wants us to do. In the old days, we don't have to do that tonight, but in the old days we would all line up at the altar and the preacher would come by and hit you on the head. Kapow! Do the will of God. And I'd go, ow, is that necessary? <laughs> I mean, I'm talking hit you with their ring on and everything. I'd go, man. But you know what? I'm in the ministry. So it, it, it messed me up, so I'm preaching. <laughs> So I don't think we have to get hit in the head, but let's do this before we dismiss. Let's, let's, let's examine our life. Is there anything we've put ahead of the will of God for our life? Doesn't have to be a big deal. Just go, Lord, I'll make a little adjustment. You know, you, you may be into ice hockey more than you should be. I, I can't imagine that, but anyway, you might be into that. Whatever. He, he wants you to play ice hockey better than everybody. Just don't put it ahead of your call and what God has for you. Father, we, we come to you at this time of the service to surrender our hearts. Just like the song, we surrender all. You have great missions for every person in this room. Great assignments. That's what I hear the Lord saying, assignments for every person in this room. And Lord, we surrender our hearts right now and bow in our hearts to do the will of God. Help us lay aside weights and sins that would so easily beset us. Attitudes even maybe, thought patterns about the last days. Lord, we reject those things that would slow us down. We eliminate those things that would slow us down. And we thank you for renewal of passion to do the will of God. May it burn in our souls right now, Lord. I thank you for it. I pray for every household. I pray for their jobs. I pray for their destiny. Enhance their destiny right now. I thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' wonderful name. 
amen and amen. There's something about a little, you know, sometimes we might wait for, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, or an hour, or whatever. There's something about just making that willing attitude. Because you're all here on Sunday night. You're telling the Lord you love Him. But all of a sudden, something He can say to you, a, a reminder of what your destiny is. Because He has something for every person in this room. There's no, there's no exempt person. <laughs> it's not my, my left leg said, so I'm not working tonight. No, no, we're all in. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. He's so good. His mercy endures forever. Let's thank Him for a minute and then we'll go. Lord, we magnify You. We bless You. We glorify You. Thank You for Your goodness and Your kindness. Lord, we, we see these events so soon to take place and we, we're so blessed that You died for us. So we worship You. We glorify You. We honor You. We lift up Your holy name. Magnify Your holy name. Glorify Your holy name. Jesus, thank You for dying for us. Thank You for dying for us. We give you glory, we give you honor, and give you praise. Bless your holy name. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you. Hey, you know what? I had a couple words of knowledge come to me, and just because I preached so long, I'm just going to call them out, and you just take it in your seat. Someone's elbow, you've got some kind of damage in your elbow. Don't see if you're healed, see that you are healed. Amen. This other one, it's almost like you got damage inside your ear, like an inner ear trouble. Don't know what that is? But just take it, you're healed. Uh, uh, the Lord loves you. This other one... Um, you know, I know this may be common, but the lining in your stomach, you got some kind of damage in the lining in your stomach. Just take it, you're healed. Now, I could tell you weird words of knowledge all night, but I won't do that. I'll just call, I'll just call them out for a minute. I mean, bizarre words. Scott Webb's church, I saw a woman fly fishing, catch the hook in her eye. Saw a, a man get run over by a car. So I saw a man working out in the pulp wood. A tree broke. This cable broke as this tree was swinging around. Hit him in the back of the head. Saw a woman go through the front windshield of her car. Called him out. Every single one of them was right there. So, so he, he doesn't just heal disease. He heals damage. I say that because there's somebody here. You got, you got whiplash. It may not have been in a car wreck. You may have been skiing or something. So man, see, that's the presence of God right there. Man, oh man, oh man. Mm. Let him heal your neck. Lord, teach it on end times. Heal their neck. Thank you for restoring them. Thank you for restoring them in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for coming tonight. You ready for the rapture? You ready for the will of God? You ready for the reward seat of Christ? Amen. How cool. It's going to be fun. We'll look down at everybody on that reward scene and go, aha, check out all that gold and silver and precious stones. Woo, hallelujah. I believe you'll look at your little tassels on your sleeves. You'll look at your little stitching, contrasting stitching of what we did for him. Let's thank him one more time. I just don't want to miss a miracle. We'll go. Lord, I'm not trying to keep the service long. I just want to make sure I don't miss something. Lord, we love you. We magnify you. We bless you. We honor you, Jesus. Your goodness and your mercy endures forever. We thank you for your kindness and your goodness, Lord. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. <laughs> be honored. Be magnified. Hallowed be your name, Lord. We give you glory. We give you honor and we give you praise. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. 